Hello again, everyone. This is Jamie Smith, and I'm a Title Plus consultant with Law Pro. We're bringing you another episode of the In Closing podcast, where I'll be discussing topics important to the real estate community. So if you are a real estate agent, broker, uh, lawyer, lender, investor, home buyer, or anything in between, we hope to provide some insightful content for you. Our guest for this episode is Lee Chang of George Street Law Group, and we sat down with Lee at his satellite office in Burlington, Ontario, to discuss the changes in the current real estate market and how his practice has adapted. Lee was called to the bar in 2013, and he's a commercial and residential real estate lawyer with a specialty in land development. In 2019, he was named one of Hamilton's top 40 under 40, and he's a current trustee of the Hamilton Law Association, a group whose events we frequently sponsor. So take another trip down with us and let's enjoy another episode of the In Closing Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here we are at Lee Cheng Satellite Office with George Street Law Group and uh, we're about to have a little chat. Let's go. All right. And here we are again uh, for our second episode of the In Closing Podcast. This time out, we have Lee Cheng of George Street Law Group. And uh, we are so happy to have you. We're going to be talking about the real estate market and its effects on lawyers and, and their clients uh, at the current time. And yeah, we're, we're just happy to have you, man. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for inviting me, Jamie. Happy to be here. Yeah. Wonderful. So, I mean, we've known each other for, I mean, I'm going to say at least five years now, right? Um, yeah, I would say so. And so it's been great seeing you grow, but uh, if you could just kind of tell the listeners and uh, the folks watching a little bit about your journey. Uh, you know, my journey has always been kind of unconventional because we don't, I, I didn't come from a family of lawyers. You know, I don't have a lot of lawyers around me growing up. So, uh, you know, I was always interested in building things, right? Like, building, whether it's, you know, back when it's Lego, but now transitioning to, you know, building buildings and communities and things like that. So I dabbled in architecture and urban planning in undergrad. And then, you know, halfway through, I decided to make a pivot to policy, law and policy, but, you know, still surrounding the same topic, right? So, uh, and that's exactly what I ended up doing coming out of law school, I do, you know, real estate, but also land development and things like that. So I've always been pretty fortunate to be able to stay in the, in the path that I kind of set for myself. Uh, but you know, here we are, what is this, uh, eight, 10 years later, Mm -hmm. um, still doing the same thing. So, you know, I haven't had a lot of changes to my career path aside from that pivot. Right. And, and, you know, within law, you know, I didn't, I never had to go and start dabbling in family law or something like that. Right. So, uh, that, that's always been my fortunate kind of, you know, uh, um, footsteps, but, uh, getting to this point though, you, you, you start to see, as you said, the ups and downs of everything, right. You know, um, for the longest time, real estate lawyers, uh, you know, if you started practicing after, the late 80s, early 90s, you, you knew nothing but up. You know, all right. the residential transactions have been sort of dumbed down to, hey, slapping on the title insurance policy and just let it run. Uh, anyone will take anything at any given moment. Like, you know, your, your buyer clients are never picky, but now we're seeing that full circle. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting. Uh, it's very interesting to see what uh, what's happening live on the on the ground right now yeah and it's actually it's it's nice because i find so many people um you know they they go to school with this mentality or an idea of what they want to do and you know they 
come to a point where they need to not necessarily completely change, you know, what their interest is, but kind of like what you said, just, just a little pivot to, um, hone in on, I guess, your interests and, um, your, your outlook going forward and, and maybe change of interest as well. So it's nice that you kind of, you know, you had the architecture piece, like you said, you know, Lego and, and developing things that way, but then you're like, you know what, let me flip it over here and you're still applying the same interest, but maybe, um, your skills have developed and, and now it's kind of honed in on a, on a more of a, a concise and, and, uh, um, you know, uh, I guess an, an area that you really see transcending in the future, right? Does that right. make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, Absolutely. So, so of course, given the, the market is obviously crazy right now. Uh, folks are anxious. Um, interest rate rates are rising. Um, and they're talking about further hikes and inflation and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you can turn on the news and pretty much scare yourself one way or another with 10 different things, right? Um, but in what ways kind of have you seen those effects have on consumers and your clients and what have they needed to do essentially to make their dreams of owning a home or investing in a property a reality, um, you know, versus where we are now compared to where it was even six months, a year ago? Yeah, certainly I think the predominant kind of uh, vibe we're getting is nobody's happy anymore. Oh, yeah. Right. So if you think Pretty back, much. if you think back to, you know, when things were all up and, you know, going up and up, uh, everyone's just happy to be dealing with an agreement of purchase and sell at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause otherwise you have no house and nothing. So, you know, back then you're dealing with clients and you're the, you're, you're playing the bad cop all the time saying, Hey, there are all these issues. And then here's how you deal with them, but nobody wants to deal with it. Just say, no, 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 we, we want to close. The, the goal is to get the property. Now the, it, now it's completely different, right? No one's happy. Uh, every little small issue becomes a big issue, mm. um, whether it's something that you can help with or something you can't help with, right? Uh, for example, general small chips and dings are you know small damages that, that are physical in nature and that have, that have nothing to do with title. Right. Uh, there's really not much the lawyers can do aside from even if there is a representation and warranty baked into the agreement, there's really not much you can do in terms of you know holding up a closing. Uh, but you know we, we are treated like some magical version of the real estate agent where we could just you know uh, fix any problem on, on our end alone dictate all these terms. Yes. Uh, so that trans that translates to unhappy clients. Yes. Right. Um, and and you're bearing the brunt of them being unhappy. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it, it, for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people along the way, along their journey, kind of throw everything back to the lawyers at the end and say, "Don't worry, your lawyer can take care of that. Don't worry, your lawyer can take care of that." When in reality, we're really constrained to what kind of deal you brought to us. Even then. Right there's the whole uh, concept of if you can't if it's not something that is fundamental to the for the to the transaction or root to the title problem, um, we can't just unilaterally decide not to close. Right, we have to kick right. it back and say you got to close and deal with it in small claims or something like that, yeah. uh, which is generally not fit, uh, you know not desirable to the client, but definitely not. <laughs> you know, if we can des- deliver everything that they desired. We're not lawyers anymore. Exactly. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's always the problem that we're kind of wrestling with. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, at this point in juncture, it's it's even if it's you know we're talking about a buyer's market, buyer's market, buyer's market. The prices have not come down in the real sense mm-hmm. because if you compare, for example, uh, the price level of 
homes going, uh, you know, going on the market now and what the price level they're selling at. And you extrapolate that and compare it with the home prices back in the time in the past where you had comparable uh, interest rates. Yes. Okay. At a real level, it, they have still, you know, more than doubled or increasing. Mm-hmm. So the real price or real cost to real estate is still rising. And that kind of shifts, you know, all these different strategies in terms of like, oh, private loans or people kind of bunching together, grouping together and buying a home, friends, not maybe not even families, but we, we've seen that. We've seen that in the past in various different jurisdictions like, uh, you know, GTA, Brampton, where the traditional cost of real estate has always been high. Mm-hmm. So you have these bigger extended families uh, pulling together resources to buy a single home, yes, right? Uh, versus, you know, one single family kind of just sticking with their own homes. So we haven't traditionally seen that in the Hamilton, greater Hamilton or even Niagara region, but we are starting to see it now more so in, you know, we're kind of leapfrogging Hamilton altogether in the Niagara region. We, right. We're okay. seeing a bunch of, you know, uh, GTA, West GTA, Brampton. Head out there. All buy South uh, buy properties in South uh, South Niagara, mm-hmm. so that, we're starting to see that more. But those will always be present in a in a in a in a situation where the real cost of real estate is always going up. And now, it doesn't matter what what the current fluctuations are. And now the folks who are shifting and looking out Niagara region, for example, are they um, are they more like investor based? Like, are, are they doing it as an investment specifically, or is this you know folks um, who are looking for you know their their home? And, and and even if they are getting assistance from extended family members, yeah, yeah. right? Is it with the aim that you know one um, member of that family is going to be stationed in that property? Yeah, it's actually quite a you know a large con- like. The the whole investors uh, purchasing real estate is actually I feel like blown out of proportion because a lot of what we deal with are still owner occupied properties. Okay, right. Yes, we do deal with a huge, uh, you know, not not massive, but I would say a sizable uh, percentage of the deals that are investor related. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, by and large, uh, these homes are owner occupied. So yeah, okay. You know, it begs the question, what will happen once things kind of settle down with the, you know, I hear a lot of calls about uh, going back to the workplace and, you know, you know, leaderships, uh, workplace leaderships demanding for people to return to the workplace. When that happens, I don't know what's going to happen to all these people who have moved very far away from where they actually work. I just got back from a vacation in Nova Scotia, and that's a province that has you know, recently during the pandemic enjoyed a lot of inflow of population. All of the children who left the province are, were like going back and staying in Nova Scotia now buying real estate. What happens then when they are called back to the office? Yes. So I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Right. But, but, you know, just logically there will be some sort of, um, uh, dynamic that's kind of shifting at that point. Yeah, right? because so, they're the remote working is going to yeah. be kind of slowed down, and a lot of especially if the company isn't adapting or or implementing a continued you know remote structure going forward, right? Just yeah. So we don't know what's going to happen yeah. if they if everyone's going to get called back to the office. Are they still going to be okay with that two hour three hour commute? Yeah, one way to Toronto <laughs> or <Yeah>. Mississauga, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So. I don't think it's sustainable to, on a personal level, mm-hmm. but you know the cost of living is always something that will force people to do certain things. Right. You know, it's not unheard of for uh, 
local Niagara um, residents to commute all the way to Oshawa once the plant moved from St. Catharines. Yes, okay, yeah. And they kept doing that for years. Mm -hmm. So maybe nothing will happen. Right, 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 so, right, right. So it's always interesting to kind of see these kind of things happening now and kind of keep, keep tabs on them and see what happens in the, in the right. future. And then so now just getting back to, I guess, the stuff you were saying with, um, you know, the consumers, uh, being more, I guess, cognizant or, or, or um, more concerned with kind of small items that aren't necessarily uh, something that you can deal with. So with these things, um, are you seeing the return of more conditions, like that being part of the, the APS now, more conditions coming back? And uh, is that effectively causing a lot of these deals to be delayed or you know, just more stress around completing the transaction for these sort of uh, you know, items? Yeah, stress is all, like through the roof yeah uh, because there's always last minute kind of disputes uh -huh. uh, last minute you know requirement for us to sort of manage the client expectation yeah. that's really most of what we do here is and, and previously it probably kind of like wasn't like that I guess no right? previously you would tell them hey you know this is what's happening and they would say oh there's XYZ is is an issue and I will say well what do you want to do? Do you want to hold up the closing? Because mm -hmm. I can't do that, first of all. Mm -hmm. And secondly, what do you, you know, if, if the seller doesn't agree, they're, they're very happy to just, no, 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 no just, just I'll deal just with it. it done, right? yeah. now, now it's like, oh, why can't they agree to that? Well, right. it's not in your agreement to, and, and even if it is an agreement, yeah. it's not a root of title problem or it's not a fundamental issue to the transaction, right. then we can't, we can't unilaterally close yeah. and we have to get the buy-in from the other side. And if they don't, you can only close under protest. There's only one solution to that. Gotcha. So they would have to go back to their realtor and get the realtors to, to, to kind of sort that out together. So not too many lawyers, especially ones who've been called to the bar recently, mm -hmm. um, have dealt with a downturn like this, right? Um, I was reading something that said um, realtors up in like Northern Ontario, they've seen an influx of people becoming realtors because that was during the hot market and then you know they, they've actually uh, underestimated how things are, are kind of drying up a little, a little mm -hmm. bit uh, and, and so a lot of them are actually returning to previous jobs um, and, and until kind of things heat up so I was wondering if um, you know there are ways that you've had to adapt your practice uh, to these market conditions and um, if you anticipate anything you know in 2023 changing as well and maybe how you're planning on uh, on adjusting at those times so there's a lot of talks uh, at all times and even when we you know when I first started talking to the older lawyers they're always talking about oh you got to prepare for the downturn you got to prepare for the downturn uh, especially lawyers in Hamilton because we've had I believe it was like a decade or so or a decade or two of uh, just very uh, subdued market. There's not much happening. It's not really going up and it's not going down. There's right. just very little things happening. Sure. If there's nothing happening, then there's no transactions for the lawyers to deal with. Yeah. So there, there was always these talks about diversification, right? Okay, so you can't just do real estate. You have to do like other things to kind of like complement or whatever, diversify and, and deal with, get other types of work mm -hmm. very, at the very essence of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, you know, after I kind of uh, got really deep into real estate, I realized it's it's really tough to diversify. For example, I am not, I don't have the capacity. Maybe somebody else does. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just simply don't have the mental capacity to really get into, let's say, for example, uh, bankruptcy and solvency law. Sure. Okay. That's a whole other section of the library that you have to just basically look through all the books on, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
my thing is, you know, diversification can still happen within the same industry. Sure. And that's what I'm doing personally. Gotcha. Right? I am diversifying my practice more or, you know, putting more emphasis or marketing dollars or personal energy and time into expanding or, you know, trying to look for more pipelines in, for example, secured lending uh, for, you know, a construction uh, lean work or, um, you know, uh, land development work, right? Sure. So, so those are always ways for you to diversify within your practice area, mm-hmm. not, not, not necessarily where, you know, when you talk to other lawyers that are like, oh, yeah, our, we, we now have like an insolvency group. Well, we don't have that kind of resource to all of a sudden hire a bunch of people to start to jumpstart an insolvency group, sure. right? So and that takes an investment in itself. Exactly. Well, so, right? so yeah. for someone, you know, you mentioned someone new, someone just starting out, or someone may not be a part of a bigger group or more um, full service firm. It's it's hard for someone to in in the small to mid tier market to say, okay, why don't you just do an insolvency group to mm-hmm. to diversify, right? But it is possible for you to diversify within your within this larger umbrella of real estate. Yeah. Something's always happening. So for example, as a good example is um, industrial properties were really hot mm-hmm. when everything else was slowing down, right? And they, they are still hot. Yeah. Commercial, commercial real estate is very hot right now. Okay. Um, you know, in the land development market, uh, the mid-sized to, to larger uh, players are bargain hunting right now. Right. So I think what's happening is a lot of the inventory are freeing up because the smaller guys can no longer service the debt because of the the, the weight rates are going up mm-hmm. uh, but those guys the bigger guys have seen you know they're they're routinely dealing with um, eight to ten to twelve percent interest so they're not there's no sticker shock gotcha right yeah a three percent increase on what used to be a ten percent deal you're not dealing with a multiplier you're dealing with a percentage sure. increase sure right whereas in the residential space you're de- you're used to now all of a sudden two percent interest one percent interest mm-hmm. It's going up by multiplies, right? Yeah. Right. So, so when you're doing that, it's the sticker shop is, is not as good, it's not as big, and yeah. it, it doesn't shy away from the deal. You're getting more um, aggressive negotiations. Yes, yeah. Right? You're you're sometimes shaving tens of millions of dollars off of the uh, original value. Wow. But but things are still happening. Okay. So that's how I'm diversifying, and that's right. how really you know what what I think is the safer way for someone to sort of diversify. And kind of deal with the market instead of jumping into a whole other practice area altogether. Because the law, practice of law is you know a weighing, a weighing game of risks. Sure. Right. Um, I don't know about other practice areas, but in real estate, your individual deal in terms of your risk exposure mm-hmm. versus how much return you're getting on that deal is frankly terrible. Okay. You can never justify if it's just a one-off thing. You can never justify charging you know, the, the rates we charge mm-hmm. and be exposed to such large dollar amounts, potential risk, right? So, so you have to have a sophisticated system to deal with these, these, these things at a volume basis, right? Right. And if you don't know what you're doing, yeah, then it's impossible for you to set up that system. Sure. And if okay. that system is not there, then it's not a profitable business. Right. So that's, that's frankly what it is. So, yeah. So in, in terms of, you know, for new real estate lawyers, if they... I guess if, if they're feeling their own anxiety of saying, okay, hey, well, I want to diversify in this, but I've never really dabbled in it and I don't have um, maybe resources to, in, uh, to, to invest my time as well as my money into uh, really studying this side of the game, 
like, would you recommend that they either find mentors or other lawyers who are in that space that they, may, they can maybe contact and, and, and learn some stuff from or team up in that way? Have you seen that at all? Uh, I haven't seen it personally, but mm-hmm. it's always something that you can do as a uh, newer lawyer. Mm-hmm. You have to have some, you know, sphere of support. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't just go at, at everything alone. Right. Right. Like even in real estate, uh, I, I, I constantly have a circle of, you know, trusted, uh, friends and colleagues that I could sort of call and bounce mm-hmm. ideas off of, or just frankly, you know, uh, Discuss, yeah, right. Just whatever it may be. Uh, so, in any practice area, you have to have that in sure. order to be successful, right? Uh, in order to not get sued, yeah. And in order to basically uh, set something up so that you can actually be, you know, viable as a business. So, um, you know, one of the things that for someone new coming in is is do not. I would highly advise against competing on pricing. Okay, we just go, talked go about on that it. a bit. Yeah, go yeah. on that a little bit. Yeah. We just talked about how it's not, you know, it, it, it's frankly a terrible business model if you're just doing these things mm-hmm. as they come. Uh, you're not making enough money on these individual deals. Mm-hmm. Your exposure to real estate, everything is high dollar value, sure. right? Because of the market, the, the way the market has gone. So everything's high dollar value. Your exposure is directly tied to the value of the transaction. Okay. Your, your, your billing is frankly very small. It, legal fees are typically the smallest piece of the puzzle, right, in terms of the closing costs. So, sure. so your revenue doesn't actually match the level of risks. So you have to basically price yourself appropriately, yeah. right, instead of going down the rabbit hole of competing on pricing because yeah. then you have to bring in more work to make a living. But if you bring in more work, you don't have the time to actually sit down and think and actually learn learn the trade. Like really take the time to learn the trade and set up that system. Because otherwise, sold. otherwise you're not going to be profitable. It's not going to. You have to look at it as a business at all times. Yeah. Even though it's a professional practice. Right. You know, you're prof- if you don't have the knowledge to nail down the professional obligations mm-hmm. and your your professional know-how. Yeah. It's there's not going to be a business. Right. Right. If you don't have a business, again, then you can't have a practice. <laughs> yeah, it's hand in hand, one hand washing exactly. the other. Exactly. So yeah. you have to both have to be set up in a, in a very, very you know meticulous way, and mm-hmm. you have to maintain that because as you bring on other staff and other team members, there will be attempts to dilute that. Right. Okay. Why can't we just do? Why can't we? We did it there before. Doesn't matter. You you have to know what you're doing mm-hmm. to, to 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 consistently. And if they're good at good ideas, great. Implement that. Yeah. Right. Be flexible, mm-hmm. but always maintain the standard in terms of your sophistication, your your knowledge base, and yeah. the, the quality of the advice you're giving. Right. And also making sure you're getting paid appropriately for, for your sure. risk. Yeah. Because right? because what I was going there with those things that you were touching on is almost marketing the value you're able to provide the client and just like you said, increasing your knowledge and, and if you implement these systems, um, uh, making sure that the reflection is based on the value that you, you're going to, you know, it's going to improve the value you're able to provide your client, right. which will essentially justify whatever price it is that you're, you're offering, right? Yeah. Um, routinely, you know, I hear... You know, sometimes at these functions that we go to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hear conversations where lawyers will be asking, oh, like, what are you charging for this these days? And, you know, they'll throw out a number and it'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa why, are you, why are you only charging that? Oh, well, you know, because this guy down the street is, car- tra- is charging this and then these guys are doing all in pricing. And so, you know, in order for us to compete and a bunch of times it's been, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
you are doing a disservice really to the profession by yeah. by nickel and diming yourself, right? Yeah. Um, are those clients who are, I guess, that price sensitive, like is there something that they're missing in the value that you're providing? Um, because to me, you know, I've been using the same lawyer for God knows how long and I'll be honest, like he could put any number down there and I'm just saying, yeah, tell me where to sign, dude, right? Um, I know the value he provides me. So um, a difference of a hundred, a couple hundred bucks is not going to matter to me because I, I understand the value that he's providing. Uh, is there something that folks who are that price sensitive, maybe that they're not keying on or, or understanding? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you just said it yourself. You, you know, whatever your lawyer provides, you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, but you being a part of this profession mm -hmm. or, you know, kind of constantly being in touch with the profession, you understand what we do. Right. When's the last time you saw on TV an ad or anything on social media mm -hmm. where, you know, whether there's an individual lawyer or a body of lawyers or an association of some sort advocating what lawyers do. Right. When's that's the last a, time you saw that? Yeah, that's a that's We a as a point. profession do a, a really, point. really terrible job of actually trying to get the public to understand what we do. And I don't know if it's a, you know, a prohibition from, from our, I have to look into it, mm -hmm. whether it's something that we just simply cannot do in terms of, you know, aggressively marketing our, the value of the profession. Right. You see that, you see that with the uh, real estate agents, uh, you know, Aria uh, does um, all these, at one point, all these ads about, oh, what's the benefit of hiring a real estate agent? Mm -hmm. um, I think we saw something about the uh, CPAs at one point as well. Um, but, you know, as a profession, we have to basically educate the public on what we do. Right. Uh, at this point in juncture, I don't believe they do know what we do. Right? I would agree. I would uh, tend no, to agree. Nobody knows what we do. And they see if you don't know what it is, but you're told that you have to pay for it, what, is, what, what do you think it is? It's now a tax. Mm, yes. Yeah. And, and we all know how we feel about taxes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so that's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. we, there's, no, there's no value proposition. It's hard as a single lawyer or even a handful of lawyers to try to keep trying to educate the public at large. It's impossible. Right. So uh, that's one thing. That's one thing that, you know, it, it is also, it's hard because it's almost not even worth the time for you to spend on every client coming in trying to educate that specific client what you do, right? Because the margins are so thin. Right. So you have to strike that level of kind of, I don't know how you could do it yeah. specific, specifically for an individual lawyer, mm -hmm. but you have to strike that level of like, you know, you have to somehow demonstrate your value, whether it's through your website, yeah. whether it's through your ads, whether it's through just like the, 30 second thing that you just teach all of your staff when people ask, well, what is it, what is it that you, gotta, you guys are going to do for me, right? Right, right, right. And what's the difference between you and the other firm? Yes. So, so these are all little things that you can do, right? And the, the market's turning, right? We keep talking about the, the idea of the business. Mm -hmm. Also think about, you know, um, how do you control your costs, Right? Okay. All the lawyers I talk to, they're always focused on billing. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the more you bill, great, you make more money. But what about your costs? Mm -hmm. Right? Like I just 
talked to someone recently, a colleague of mine, he discovered that his firm spends like $100,000 a year on various subscriptions. Mm -hmm. And the question was, did you read, do you use any of those prescriptions? uh, Subscriptions? It's like, no. So is that really necessary? Yeah. $100,000 in real estate. Yeah. Right? In, in, In terms of, you have to now set aside your margin to account for $100,000 of billable. That's like, that's hundreds and of that's closings. that's like, yeah, give me everything. That's hundreds of closings. Right. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so would you rather do hundreds more closings or just simply just get rid not, of these things? Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, I talked to another one, uh, another colleague recently, and they just discovered that they had, could, because everything's subs- uh, subscription-based these days. Sure. Everything costs you X dollar amount of dollars Every month now, there's no, the, the days of when you can just buy, like, for example, a piece of software mm-hmm. and just rely on that piece of software until it literally cannot move forward anymore right. is gone. Yeah. Everything's subscription based. So they discovered they never canceled the users for a bunch of ex-employees for the longest time. Yeah. So every one of those users are taking off $20 US, do- US dollars mm-hmm. per month. Mm-hmm. Right in the aggregate, that's like thousands of dollars a year, where you could have just not Not, done those difficult transactions where the guys just complaining about seeing a little um, chip on their door or whatever. You could have just not done that transaction altogether, right, 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 right. and still made more money. So, like you said, in terms of not wanting to invest a lot of money and time in educating that client. If there are other resources, and like what you said, like you know, if 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 that uh, firm has their own website, and maybe on that website it has an FAQ section. Your website's actually really good too. Um, or I've seen folks do like their own blog on particular issues or questions that they get uh, a, a lot, right? Um, to at least say, hey, okay, you know, I can direct you to this resource, or whether it's a LSO um, a resource or a law pro resource or anything like that, uh, to kind of figure out or, or, or get dip their feet in and get some information mm-hmm. on you know the value that you are trying to provide to them. Or again, I think that would be a great piece of, you know, what what sets apart one firm versus another or hey consumer, you know, look for this type of value from this firm. This is what you should be looking for um, as opposed to, you know, folks who don't focus on, you know, this particular area. And I think everyone should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Everyone should know exactly what the other professional in this chain yes. does. Right. Right? We as lawyers know exactly what real estate agents do. I know exactly what the mortgage agent will do. Right. I know exactly what title insurance does. We are the end point. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we're the final stretch of the, uh, the race. Yeah. So we get to see what everyone else does. But that's not necessarily the case for each one of those people. Sure. Right? The, the real estate agent may not know exactly what the mortgage agent does. Sure. And vice versa. Yeah. Right? And they may not know what a title insurance policy does. Right. They may not know what a real, real estate lawyer does. They just mm-hmm. think, oh, it's closing. Yeah. Or what your, lawyer, your lawyer will go through that with yeah. you. Like, what oh, is a closing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is a closing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's getting everything and piecing it all together and bringing it to, to, to closure. Mm-hmm. Right? If any of those pieces are not there, we can't just go back and, and make it happen. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so I think you know, we got to do it more. We got to put in more effort as a profession to really educate the other the other professionals, folks, the other keys in the chain there, yeah. Exactly, the links, all yeah. the other professionals on what we do and yeah. what what you should be looking at. Just like you know everything else, it's we are providing a service. Mm-hmm. There is some sort of you know standardized expectations that come out of that service. Mm-hmm. So you should be evaluating it. Everybody on the same kind of 
kind of level, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Right. Um, so, and, and there's so many varieties of what people are doing. You mentioned that earlier, like, you know, someone's doing this, someone's doing that. Mm -hmm. Because there's no uniformity in what lawyers do, that also creates confusion. Sure. Everybody knows what a percentage of commission is. Yeah. Everybody knows what a commitment fee is. Mm -hmm. You got to pay that to get your money. Yeah. Right. Because there's so much difference going on in the legal world, it just causes so much confusion. Sure. And it, there's, there's no uniformity in terms of comparisons even. I think you've given us a, a lot here. Uh, and for those watching or listening, um, you can tell like this guy, you know, he knows his stuff. He's come up through the game. He's very forward thinking. And, and I utilize that big brain of his, okay, <laughs> to help just like what we did, inspire me on, on where I can take things as well. So, um, Lee, we really appreciate this. If you could just let everybody know kind of where to find you. And, and, uh, and again, definitely if you're looking for a real estate lawyer in the area, commercial real estate, residential, land development, which I think is like so cool. Um, definitely give them a shout. But yeah, just let everybody know where to find you. Yeah, so it's Lee Chang, uh, L-I-C-H-E-N-G. My email is e, uh, li at georgestreetlaw.ca. Phone number 905-526-2127. Awesome. Appreciate you, Lee. This was, again, episode two of the In Closing Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you.